Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Very encouraged to hear about the new season in admissions. Very exciting about that. Um, we, you know, part of our transition from Hillsong, the last, I mean, we spent 20 years, Hillsong Australia and all across the country. We feel like we were everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. But it's been brilliant. And uh, one of the things on the outside of that is the Lord said to us uh, to plant a church, plant churches, and serve the poor. And we felt like if we had back then, this is a morbid thought, but if we had at the end of our Hillsong season, if we had died and gone to heaven then, after doing everything we'd done, and we'd done some incredible things, and the Lord has allowed us to be part of some beautiful experiences globally. But if we'd done all that, and that is all we'd done, we felt like we probably had missed something. Yeah, he, he really spoke deeply to our heart about his heart for the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalised. And the need for people, I guess, like you and I, but he was talking specifically to us, yep. would you spend the next 20, of your, 20 years of your life serving those who really need my care and support? And so we've embarked on this journey, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah, so what we want to do now is just help bend the heart of the church towards the poor. And during COVID, we've all had the most beautiful opportunity when we can't do as much as we've done before. What we could always do is reach out to our neighbour and just make sure that people around about us are doing okay. So we want to, well, we just had a wedding. I don't know whether you knew that, Jules. All the girls would probably know if you were here at the conference. Um, I don't know if we've got any of those photos left over from the women's conference. Here we go. That's uh, our gorgeous family. And yeah. two weeks ago, we married our gorgeous daughter in the middle. Her name's Harmony. To that other guy on her left, standing next our to right, and his name's Nat. And we're very proud of our entire family. And our son there is on her other side. So um, just be careful you get the right one that she's married to because they would be horrified. It's the, it's the two with the heads <laughs> leaning in toward each other. There you go. Those Look two. at that. Isn't that beautiful? So that's been the last two weeks of our life. And we feel tremendously blessed, which is great. Okay, we're going to get into it. Can you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10? Uh, welcome to those that are online with us today, homes and hubs everywhere. It's great to see you. And one of the great opportunities we have during this COVID season is that if you are not able to get to one of the hubs, one of the buildings at the Collective Chapel because of all kinds of reasons, it could be anything from anxiety through to fear or just because of your immune system and you just got to be a little bit safer at this time, you can do church at home. How good is that? These guys stream it right into your lounge room. So whether you're by yourself, with some friends, with your family, homes and hubs everywhere, and you're with us, you're connected. Okay, whether you're there or here, we are in this together. And so Luke chapter 10, if you've got a Bible, if you don't own a Bible and you've got a phone, download the Bible app from the App Store or the Google Play Store, and you can follow along with us. It's uh, Luke chapter 10, and we want to speak to you uh, from the, the story about the Good Samaritan. That's what we want to talk about today. The definition of the Good Samaritan, doesn't matter which dictionary you look it up, even in the Urban Dictionary, it says a charitable or helpful person, usually involving a stranger. So it's not just about doing things for those you love the most. It's this uh, automatic, generous nature towards people that even we do not know. In fact, um, I'll just interrupt there. Um, and Joel is probably one of the most helpful people that you will ever meet. Um, the way I describe Joel... 
to others is that he's a helper. Uh, if we go onto a plane, which we don't do that often these days because of 2020, um, uh, and someone is trying to lift their bag up to the overhead compartment and they look like they're having a slight struggle um, he's up out of his seat and he's the one that's lifting the bag in the overhead compartment. If there's a need, this guy will be the one that stops and meets that need. Even about a week ago, uh, we're just driving through the beautiful coastal northern New South Wales. Anyone like that part of the world? And I'm kind of just enjoying not having to help people. Can I be really honest? I'm enjoying just a little bit of downtime. I'm enjoying um, just traveling through, oh, the palm trees and just coastal New South Wales. I mean, it's like heaven on earth. It's like the North Shore of Hawaii in Australia. It's this is going beautiful. somewhere, hey? It is. <laughs> and there was a car broken down on the side of the road. And of course, rather than just going, oh, I wonder who's going to help that poor man, Joel stops and he makes it his business to uh, drag that guy up to a place off the side of the road that allows the rest of the traffic to go. So this guy um, is probably one of the greatest helpers I've ever met. So Anyway, thank you, babe. Thank you. Most look, most people would that you'd recognise the term the Good Samaritan. I think most people in the world would recognise that term. Um, it may be better said the Good Reject, not the Good Samaritan, because when you actually read the story, you start to realise that in Israel, where this story was set, when Jesus is telling this story, they're in Israel, which is the Jewish territory, Jewish people, and the. Um, the people that are ruling them are the Romans. It's under Roman occupation, Jewish people, but the people that were the lower class were the Samaritans. They were like a half-caste, a half-breed people. And so you've got these, the clash of three different clans, and it's this whole story about the Samaritan is about the reject. It's about the people that people despised. At least the Jews despised them. So we all know it as the Good Samaritan, but really it should be the Good Reject. It's the people that we didn't expect at all. And if there was no subtitle at all in your Bible, I've, years ago I had a Bible that had no subtitles, and it was great because you had no presupposition when you read the Scripture. So you weren't, you, the, the little text wasn't telling you what to think before you read it. And if you read this and you could discipline yourself to read it without a subtitle, it would actually be correctly titled, probably, Moved with Compassion. And that's the title of our message today. So if you have a look at verse 30 to 37, we're going to read the story together. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, everyone say by chance. By chance. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and had a look at him. So he took it a, a step further lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan or a despised rejection, rejected human being came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Can you say the words felt compassion? 
felt compassion. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Who would be the neighbor? Which is the neighbor? This is a reply. If you look at the very first part that Jules read up there in verse 30, it says, Jesus replied with a story. What's he replying to? He's replying to a story. Well, if you read the few verses before, which often we have to do in the Bible, it's the talking about the most uh, important commandment. And it was this religious guy that comes up. He's an expert in religious law. And he comes up to Jesus and he, he asks him a question because he wants to test Jesus. Yeah. Never find yourself in a place where you want to test God. That's not a clever thing to do because he's the one that wrote the exam. <laughs> Don't test him. So he comes up and he wants to test him. He's an expert in religious law. And he says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus just simply says, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? He even lets us interpret it ourselves. How do you read it? And the man answered, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength and love your neighbour as you love yourself. Jesus says, great, that's right. If you do this, you will live. And then this expert says, well, who's my neighbour? What the expert was trying to do, the reason Jesus tells the story is because the expert was trying to redefine the greatest commandment as love God and all the people you want to love. Aren't you glad that there is nobody on earth that God does not want to love? God wants to love everyone. In fact, the Bible says that God loved the world so much that he sent his son so that whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish for their sins but could have everlasting life. Everlasting life. So who was the neighbour? I want you to yell out the answer. In this story, so he's trying to say, who's my neighbour? And Jesus tells a story, and I'll give you a little clue, that he talks about a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. And at the end he says, who is the neighbour? Who's the neighbour? Come on at home, who is the neighbour? Samaritan. The Samaritan. Well, this religious guy couldn't even answer the question properly. Because if you look down there at the answer, he doesn't say the Samaritan. He says, well, I guess it's the one who showed him mercy. He didn't even want to say the name Samaritan. That's how much they were despised. He wouldn't even say Samaritan. Jesus didn't say there was a priest, a Levite, and someone who showed mercy. He said a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. And the religious expert wouldn't dare mention his name. He just said, the one who showed mercy. Wow. <laughs> I'm so glad that Jesus showed me mercy. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus Christ, in our fallen state, I don't know about you, but I remember when I first encountered the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, I was a 15-year-old rebellious teenage girl. And when I heard about the love of Jesus and the love that he had for me and the willingness that he had to forgive me of my sin and give me a brand new start, I wept. And I didn't just weep little crocodile tears. I wept messy weeping, like snotty, messy weeping. 
because I was aware at that point in time that God was forgiving this girl that didn't deserve it of my sin. And what I'm glad now is that God would use an unexpected woman like me to help people that he is trying to reach with his love and his grace. God uses unexpected people. So if you feel like an unexpected person, that God would kind of look over the face of the earth and pinpoint you, if you kind of are wowed by that, then I reckon you are a candidate to being used by God. So at the beginning of COVID this year, um, one of the things that I asked myself after getting over the shock that our world was in a global pandemic, I mean, after all, none of us have experienced a global pandemic before and it took me two, ye- two years, two weeks to kind of get my head around that and lock down. And once I finally got my head around that, I just asked the question to myself, where would Jesus find himself in the midst of what's going on in the world right now? And the answer to that after a long period of just seeking his face was he'd be with the poor, the vulnerable and the marginalised. He'd be with the people that need him the most in this season. And I thought, well, that's where I want to be. I want to be wherever Jesus would be, serving the people that Jesus would be serving. And so our church, Revitalised Church, that we were leading at the time, we've since handed that over to another couple. But during that time, we started a ministry alongside Convoy of Hope called Hampers of Hope, where we wanted to make sure that there would be no hungry uh, individual or family in our community. And some of the most vulnerable in our community in that time were overseas university students who couldn't, who could no longer work because we were all not working, we were staying home, and they were not eligible for any government subsidy. And so these people were literally without any cash whatsoever. What I didn't realise was that we were going, well, I did realise this, we were going to mobilise a volunteer team to serve um, all the needy people, people that needed food just to survive. In our, Can you believe in Australia there were people that didn't even have the basic essentials to carry on in that season? Well, when I turned up, um, to engage and to serve alongside all the volunteers that were serving to pack these hampers, to deliver these hampers. I met this young man from Africa named Anasu. And I'd seen Anasu in, uh, in our church and he, he didn't frequent church often, but I did see him come and go really quickly. But here he was, this guy that I, I hadn't really engaged with on a, on a personal level in our church services, was there serving the poor of our community. What I later found out is that he came to serve the poor because he thought, um, where else would I be except where Jesus is at this point in time? What I also found out about Anasu is that he didn't have a cent to his name. And as I engaged, he lost his job. And as I engaged with him, um, we were able to meet his needs too, but he didn't come to have his needs met. An unlikely character with absolutely not a cent in his bank account came to serve others that were in need. That's the unlikely Samaritan. Yeah, it's incredible, huh? So you look at this story, right? And Jesus is trying to explain what compassion looks like. And there's a man, he says, a Jewish man traveling down to Jerusalem and he comes amongst thieves. He gets beaten up. He's left half dead on the side of the road. It says, by chance, by chance, the, the three people in this story, by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw him lying on the road, crosses on the other side to avoid 
then it says that a temple assistant or a Levite in some of your translations, and he went over, bent over, looked at him, but then moved on. And it was the Samaritan that actually went and bandaged him and helped him. I was thinking about these three different people. The priest is obviously a symbol of the church. And the, the temple assistant or the Levite, which was all of the other activities that were done around the priest. So the priest did all the important things, the Levites and the temple assistants took care of all of the other activities in church life. You could say that's the programs of church life. Think about what Jesus is trying to explain. Somebody is out there hurting and the church crossed over the other side. The programs took a look and went, nah. And then the people, can we say it this way, the people that we probably raise our eyebrows at that try to come to church sometimes, that was the person to help this person. I find this so confronting. I find it really confronting that sometimes we get so busy doing church that once we get to a place, we've, we've arrived. And that, as a friend of mine always says, people are going, it's like you're going to hell in a handbag. Like there's so many people out there that need God's help and they're in amongst us. They're in our communities, they're around us. And we just don't seem to have that compassion. Maybe that's what's lacking, the compassion. And this Samaritan, it says, moved with compassion. He saw and something from the inside motivated him to act. You know, Darren was talking about our conversation yesterday about Walgett. What he didn't tell you is that when I said to him, right. mate, look at Walgett, I pulled up the map. We did a search for churches in Walgett and the closest church was Lightning Ridge. And Darren looked at me and he goes, are you, are you serious? There's no churches in Walgett. I said, mate, we've been there. Jules and I were there last year. There's no churches in Walgett. And he just starts crying. Yeah. Your pastor, he just starts crying. We're sitting in this cafe, he's crying. And that's because he was moved with compassion. When you're moved with something that's really not right, it shows that you're healthy. <laughs> that's a good sign. If you, don't, if you don't get moved by things that are not right, there's something wrong with us. I'll give you an example. I need somebody with um, petite, dainty hands. Is there anybody that I can use as an example? Come on, Nick. Okay, I need you to... Petite, dainty hands. <laughs> yes. Beautiful hands. No, no, no. Okay, I need you to hold that. Maybe just to the side so people can see you and there. And then just be careful. Maybe the handle? Maybe just Yeah, yeah it might handle. get a bit hot. Maybe just hold the handle. I'm going to pour this hot water in. Boiling freshly, hot. Freshly boiled. Just making sure it doesn't go over. Okay. Now, what I want to do is I want to invite you to stick your left hand into the cup. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you... You got blind trust. That's <laughs> boiling water. Like, is there anything? <laughs> Were you really going to do it? <laughs> You're the best. Why? Why would you not put your hand in that boiling water? Ah, uh, because it's painful. Right now, that's a sign of health, yep. right? Because it's painful. There is something in your life. Either you've been burnt before or you've seen others get burnt, you've seen the pain that it causes, mm. but because of that, you know not to put your hand. Something about your body is healthy and tells you danger, don't do it. Yep. Beautiful, thank you so much. Because what I want to know, what I want to know is, why is it, thanks Nick, why is it that when we see things that are not right, we don't get moved with compassion? I think because there's a, a thing called compassion fatigue. 
And this isn't a, now I feel so condemned because I'm, I'm not moved with compassion. I think this is just a moment where we can all take stock of our own heart and our own life. Compassion fatigue is defined as a condition characterized by emotional and physical exhaustion. Anyone ever felt emotionally or physical <laughs> yep. exhaustion? Okay, three of us are really honest in the room. <laughs> uh, leading to a diminished ability to empathize or feel compassion for others, often described as the negative cost of caring. Anyone felt like they've cared so much that they've become worn out by caring? Yeah. It is sometimes referred to as secondary traumatic stress. So I thought it, it could be helpful for all of us today to have a look at some of the symptoms that may kind of, you might be able to tick the box and then, therefore be aware, this is compassion fatigue and this is what it really looks like. Maybe it's the reason why when we see a need that we feel quite comfortable to go to the other side of the road as the church and walk right on by. One thing that I've decided in my life is if, I see a need except to tow a car because I've got no idea how to tow a car that's broken down. If I see a need and I am able to make a difference, I want to be moved with compassion and do something about it. If I have any of these symptoms, I am less likely to be moved and to make a difference. Some of these symptoms, I could be irritable. And I'm not just talking about the kind of irritation about being woken up too early in the morning. Okay. I feel exhausted. Anyone ever felt exhausted? And I'm not just talking about after a big shine conference. I'm talking about consistently feeling exhausted. Every day you wake up and it's like, I've just got no energy for this. You begin to get cynical, sarcastic. You depersonalize things. You have low job satisfaction. And one of the ones that we are not aware of, we have poor self-worth. And the poor self-worth causes us to look inward rather than outward. Look, the reason we're sharing some of these things with you is because we've seen it in our own lives. We've seen that the irritation that we go through over seasons, not irritated once, season of irritation. These are all symptoms that we're burnt out, tired, exhausted, and we're in compassion fatigue. A number of years ago, because of the lifestyle that we lived and the pace and just how hectic it was, we were traveling on and off planes all around the world, um, 30 campuses across Australia. Um, I went through a season where I didn't even know I was numb. I wasn't even aware. It took a clinical psychologist to help me understand where I was at. And only after realizing that and coming out of that, did I start to realize how bad it really was. I would say things like this to Joel. Joel, you're a mystery. Like, where are you? I'm like, I'm right here. And I'm like, and then yeah, I get but, irritated. You're, but you're not here. <laughs> so little things, I can look back and see it now. Like I'd be driving home from long days. We would do long days six days a week when we were at Hillsong. Monday was our only day off. But I would come home late in the afternoon, well, it was early evening, and if I'm driving down my street and I see our neighbour out the front, sadly, I would pretend I was on the phone and I'd drive round the block. Hands-free, of course, everybody. I'd drive round the block until I could tell that my neighbour had gone inside before I go in. Why? Because I only had dregs of emotional 
capacity left and I needed to spend the last threads of my emotions on my kids. And I didn't realise that. On the other side of compassion fatigue, when I started to get better, I was one time out doing the grocery shopping at Coles and I came out to the car park and I'm putting the grocery bags in the car. And as I'm doing that, I'm walking across the car park with the trolley and I'm, I can smell rosemary. <sighs> and I walked up, I just followed the scent until I found this plant in the car park and I stood there for a moment and just thanked God. And I realised I had not done that for years. I'd got so busy and so numb that I'd lost smell, taste, touch, emotion, connection, all these things. And these are all symptoms that help me now. Be careful, Joel. You're heading towards fatigue. But it can be restored. That's the wonderful news today. And hopefully that's the good news of Jesus that we are, are coming to share with you today, that if compassion, you've lost it, it can be restored. How's the lady um, in Coles, another Coles story? Um, you do a lot of uh, interaction with other humans <laughs> a lot of life. in supermarkets. And Joel went to pay for, oh. tell them. Oh, that was incredible. I got, to, I got my, um, you know, you got your credit card and everything on your watch or on your phone. You don't take your wallet with you, your license is on there. So I'd done some shopping and I was there paying the bill and I'm like, double tap, double tap. And she goes, oh, it's not working. I go, oh, do it again, double tap, like five times. And she goes, no, no, there's something wrong. And then you tend to get a little embarrassed. And so I'm like, there's nothing wrong. I do this all the time. And she said, no, no, sometimes it doesn't work. And I said, it's never not worked for me. He's like, it's got to work. I've got to pay I've my got. bill. Like, I don't have my wallet. My wallet's not even in the car. Like I'd have to drive home. And she said, she just kind of looked at me. And then the lady next to me says, that's okay, I'll pay for it. I said, you can't pay for it. She said, yes, I can. Now we're having a fight over whether she's allowed to pay for my groceries or not. And so she pays for it. And I'm like, I'm so, I just feel so bad. And she says, it's fine. And then she, so she taps and then she says, it came up with a little thing. Do you want cash out? She said, do you want any cash out with this? I'm like, no, no. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And this is what she said. It's okay. It's my good Samaritan deed for today. How good is that? Okay, Mark 1.41. If we want our compassion restored, it says, moved with compassion. Can you say those three words? Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him and he says, I am willing, be healed. Moved with compassion. So here's how you restore compassion in your life. Just a few ideas. You continually remind yourself how God feels about humanity. And the way that you do that is get into the Word of God. Eat the Word of God. Like suck on it like it's a super hose. Like do whatever you need to do to be found in the Word of God. One of the things that we do to make sure that even as we go to sleep at night, we put on the Bible beside our bed and have the Bible being read over to us by really profoundly good speaking voices like Pitch Perfect Brody over there. Another one is self-care. If we want to restore compassion to our lives, look after ourselves. Um, we've got a mentor that has helped us move through this season where, where we're getting restored back to full life ourselves. And he has often said to me, Julia, put on your own mask before you put on the mask of others. 
Uh, it's the classic thing that you taught, you taught if at the beginning of a flight anywhere, put on your own mask before you put on even your child's mask. And if we're going to be able to put a mask on someone else, so to speak, in life that we know needs our help, we've got to first look after ourselves. So look after yourself. Have balance, work, rest and play. It's like a Mars a day keeps the, what is it? Well, work, the Mars a day is work, rest, rest and, and play, play, but it That's probably it. does keep something away. <laughs> or, or it puts something on, but anyway. <laughs> um, solve any sleep problems. Like if, if you're having trouble sleeping and you feel sleep deprived, uh, that's going to bring a natural irritation and find a way, go and seek medical attention, which takes me to another thing. If there are any issues in your life, there are medical experts everywhere that are there to serve you and give you what you need to get through whatever season you may be traveling through from a medical perspective. Um, so boundaries is another thing, saying yes and no to individuals and activities. And the last one that I think helps restore compassion um, is gratitude. Gratitude is the biggest heart shifter. And it's a choice. Being grateful to God for everything that He's given us is a choice. Even when we've got nothing. We learned that at Shine Conference from Ruth. I don't know if you know Ruth, but she's had a profound impact on my life. Her and her husband, who I never knew when they went through the worst of storms, so faith-filled, so grateful to God, even in lack, changes perspective. Look, we want to wrap this up for you. Um, compassion, it, it's not meant to be difficult. Like you, you don't try to become compassionate. You're not, we're not meant to strive for compassion. Compassion flows. This whole story, you know, the reason the Good Samaritan, Jesus responds to somebody who actually wants eternal life. How, what do I do to get eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, how do you read the law? How do you understand it? He's like, well, you love God and you love people as you love yourself. And he's like, that's right. You just do that and you'll live. And he wants to justify himself. He's like, well, who's my neighbor? And gets it wrong. So Jesus tells a story to reveal to us that you don't have to try to get yourself to heaven. You don't have to try to do good things. You don't have to try to be a Christian. You don't try, you don't try to be compassionate. Compassion is meant to move us. It's what happens when we're healthy. It's what happens when we're whole. It's what happens, it's just a human thing. We're just human. It's just a natural part of being human. The greatest commandment, love God, love your neighbour as you love yourself. I think a lot of people would put them in order of love God, love others, love self. Because surely you can't love yourself above others. But it actually says, as you read it, love God and love others as you love yourself. So if you love yourself really poorly, you'll love others very poorly. The reason you put your mask on first which is a strange concept when you're a parent in a plane and you're getting told, fit your own mask before you fit your child, is because they're experts and they've realised if you try and fuss fitting other people's masks first, you will run out of energy and have no compassion to help. When the oxygen dies, you can't help. But even if people are falling asleep around you and you get your mask on, if you're healthy, you can help more than just your child. So you love God first, you love others. So let's wrap this up. If you are in compassion fatigue, if any of those symptoms, if, if they're becoming, a, if you can be aware of those, like we have in our lives, if you can see the signs at home here in hubs, if you know that, this is the way to solve it. Love God. Love yourself. Love yourself. 
stop trying. The best thing you can do for others right now if you're in compassion fatigue is stop trying. Just stop trying to fix everything. Stop trying to help everyone. Stop trying to make everything right. Just stop and surrender and just say, God, I can't help anyone if you can't help me. There's nothing I can do. There is, not, there is nothing of any value I can contribute to this life unless I first know you. So I surrender to you. And as I practice loving God, He teaches me to love myself. And out of a healthy respect for me, I don't try to love you. It just happens naturally. Because I think so well of myself, you are so important. I just love God. I help God love me. That helps me love you. And then whatever comes next is natural. You'll be moved as you walk into your missions month, as you start to approach this idea of turning your eyes outside your church and looking at what God is already doing in the community but wants to partner with you with, you'll find as you deal with compassion fatigue and love God and get yourself healthy and just wait, you'll see natural desires start to bubble up. That's why Walgett. That's why you were stirred. And that's why we at Convoy of Hope want to partner with you to figure out what we can do together. You love God, love self. Loving others is natural. It's easy. So God, we thank you. Amen. You want to pray? You want well, me to pray? You're going to say something. No, I was just going to say, you know, we, we've been talking so much about Jesus and maybe you're here today and it's your first time and you've never had the opportunity to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like I shared at the very onset of us doing this talk today, it was at 15 that I realised I was a sinner and I needed a saviour. And Jesus was there to forgive me of my sin and give me a brand new start. And today, we want to give you this opportunity. If you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, He's safe, He's trustworthy. And this amazing concept is that the Creator of the universe, known to us as Jesus, He loves you. And if you've never given your life to Him, if you've never waved the white flag of surrender and given Him your heart, then we just want to pray a prayer with you today. Whether you're here in the room, whether you're in the foyer and you're hearing our talk, whether you're online and you've joined from your lounge room or watching your mobile device, wherever you are, we want to give you an opportunity to make your peace with God. So do you want to lead them yeah, I'd in love a prayer? To. I'd love to. I'm going to pray slowly. Just pray with me if you want, wherever you are online, here in the room, and just reach out to God. I'll just give you an example of a prayer, but you just pray this in your heart with me. God, oh, I need you. I want you. I want you to save me. I believe in you. I don't know what all this means, all this church stuff, but I believe in you. Forgive me, God. Help me live a life for you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, we just want to pray one last prayer for all of us today because there is a world in desperate need of the love of Jesus, us being His hands and His feet and His mouthpiece. And I've just got a feeling, like I said to the girls at Shine Conference, that God is going to pour out His Spirit in an unprecedented way at this time in our history. And He's going to start with country, rural and outback Australia. And He's going to pour out His Spirit in such a way that He's going to spill back out into the towns and the cities and the outback ranches and back into the cities. 
the last few decades has been from the cities to the country, but I, I think God's going to put it in reverse and He's going to do it from the country back to the city. And if you want to be used of Him, why don't you just raise your hands up like this and let us pray a prayer of activation and blessing over everything that you put your hand to in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for everybody that can hear my voice as we seek your face, as we lift our hearts up to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon every heart, that you would begin to stir every heart in an unprecedented way, that we would love ourselves the way you love us, God. And as we do that, and as we have an understanding of our own value, Lord, we will turn that value that you place onto us, onto others. So I pray, God, give us eyes to see, give us a heart to understand and give us this willpower to keep going to serve you. Lord, I pray a blessing over you people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause because he is worthy of our praise. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.